Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. Cole. Open your Bibles to the first book of the Bible, chapter 6, while we join the Old Fashioned Revival Hour just getting underway. sunshine to the great audience listening in. And you know, as we sing through the first time, turn around and shake hands with as many as possible, all together on Heavenly Sunshine. Saints will come rejoicing and no tears. 
tears will there be found. We shall rise. Yes, we'll rise. We shall rise.
remember in the old-fashioned days When some old-fashioned people had some old-fashioned ways In the old-fashioned meetings as they tarried there In the old-fashioned manner how God answered their prayer T'was an old-fashioned meeting in an old-fashioned place Where some old-fashioned people had some old-fashioned grace As an old-fashioned sinner I began to pray And God heard me and saved me in the old-fashioned way There was singing, such singing of those old-fashioned airs There was power, such power in those old-fashioned prayers An old-fashioned conviction made the sinner pray And the Lord heard and saved him in the old-fashioned way Well, they say it is better, things have changed, don't you know And the people in general seem to think it is so And they call me old-fashioned when I dare to say That I like it far better in the old-fashioned way Some old-fashioned people had some old-fashioned grace. As an old-fashioned sinner, I began to pray. And God heard me and saved me in the old-fashioned way. Was an old-fashioned meeting in an old-fashioned place. Where some old-fashioned people had some old-fashioned grace. As an old-fashioned sinner, I began to pray. And God heard me and saved me in the old-fashioned way. I was drifting away on life's pitiless sea. And the angry waves threatened my ruin to be. When away at my side, there I dimly descried a stately old vessel, and loudly I cried. Ship Strong arm of our captain 
is mighty to save. Then trust him today, no longer delay, for the old ship of Zion and shout on your way. Jesus So glad you're here today. Go ahead. I'm glad to be back today and have my little part in the program. And here is a good letter from Weisbaden Air Base in Germany, from one of our servicemen. Dear Reverend Fuller, I am an air flight engineer on the airlift in Germany and have been here for six months. The Armed Air Force Network of Frankfurt is the only station our small radio will get. It does not broadcast yours or any other gospel program. However, this morning, just after getting our altitude and leveling off for Berlin, I tuned in the liaison set and picked up your broadcast. It was coming from Quito, Ecuador. It was a great thrill to again hear you preaching God's word, so far from home and away up there in the air as I was. The message was right to my heart. I was saved some years ago and learned to grow in grace and the knowledge of God's word, while sitting under the preaching of my pastor in Riverside, California. The very day I heard you over the air was the day my wife and 15-month-old son left New York to join me here. I am president of the Youth for Christ in Weisbaden, and we pray for you constantly. But how thankful we are that Christians the world around do pray for this hour, that it may be very fruitful in these days of world turbulence and confusion. From Chicago, dear Mr. Fuller, I have your records, which mean so much to me, especially since I'm very lonely in this great city. I sometimes go up to the 19th floor of this hotel and play them on a phonograph there so that women and girls sitting in that lounge, some smoking and none appearing to be Christians, cannot help hearing. One girl came over to me and said she used to work in an Italian restaurant, and every day the waiters sang Heavenly Sunshine in Italian. I'm sure you have no idea how far-reaching your program is. A lady writes, your messages have, to my personal knowledge, led a father, a son, and a daughter-in-law to a saving knowledge of Christ. These people are my closest neighbors, and since their conversion, I've been helping them search the scriptures, and they've been growing in their knowledge of God. Then this last letter from Alaska, dear Brother Fuller. You've had many letters from Alaska recently, but I want to add my word. You have no idea what your program means here, and how people look forward to it and love it. Young and old, Indians, trappers, as well as all kinds of whites, in the cocktail lounges, out in the lonely cabins, everywhere. I've heard of several converted in the past year. One old trapper, a young Indian, and a man whose past nobody knows. The music is heavenly, your message is so plain and inspiring, and God has given us what the world needs today if only people would listen. We need more such preaching as yours, Mr. Fuller. I haven't lived as I should, but I had a Christian home and was brought up in Sunday school. 
I'm thankful that probably living out my last ten years of life, I can come under the influence of your program, and as a result, am ready for the great beyond. And that is all I shall have time to read today, friends. Now the chorus choir will sing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, the little old-fashioned organ that came around the horn in 1870 in the sailing vessel way back there. We loved it. Some many thousands of you say you love to hear the sweet tone of this old parlor organ, the front room organ. All right. Number 16 on your song sheet, let's stand and sing how firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. Two verses remain standing for prayer.
Let's remain for prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee for Thy precious promises in Thy eternal Word. Christ saying, Lo, I am with Thee always, even unto the end of the age, that He will never leave us and never forsake us. And we thank Thee that in these dark and distressing days we can have the companionship of the shepherd of our soul, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And as this broadcast goes out into countless homes, men and women under countless different conditions, we pray that the Holy Spirit may bring conviction and bring men and women to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And we'll give thee all the glory, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. in God, I know He cares for me. On mountain bleak, or on the stormy sea, the stormy sea, the billows roll, He keeps my in God, I know He cares for me. 
on mountain bleak, or on the stormy sea, the stormy sea. listening to the Old Fashioned Revival Hour with Dr. Charles E. Fuller. His message today is titled, Noah Witnessed by Faith. I'll provide information after Dr. Fuller's message on how you can contact us for a free copy of today's message or request a catalog of the music you hear on the broadcast. Now is the time to open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 6, verse 12, as we rejoin the broadcast.
You're listening to the old-fashioned revival hour coming to you from the Municipal Auditorium at Long Beach, California. This is Charles E. Fuller speaking. Will you have your Bibles open, please, to the sixth chapter of Genesis, beginning at the fifth verse, for the message on Noah, who witnessed for God. And now, just before the message, the quartet will sing, Under His Wings. Now, with your Bibles open to the sixth chapter of Genesis, follow carefully as I read a few verses down to the twelfth. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Then the eighth verse, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The eleventh and twelfth verses, The earth also was corrupt before God, 
and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Reading from the sixth chapter of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. We are now in a short series of messages based upon the outstanding characters found in this book of Genesis. Already we have considered Abel, who worshipped God by faith, Enoch, who walked with God by faith, and now today Noah, who witnessed for God by faith. Just briefly, chapter 1, you find man created in the image of God. Chapter 2, man in perfect communion with God in the Garden of Eden. Chapter 3, the arch enemy does his work. The entrance of sin, the fall of man, man expelled from God's presence because sin alienates and he is expelled from the garden. And then in chapter 4, God gives the two ways of approach or access on the part of sinful man to the holy, sinless God. The way of Cain, who brought the fruit of his own labor, of bloodless sacrifice, Cain was rejected. Abel came by the way of the blood sacrifice, and Abel was accepted. And the latter part of chapter 4 outlines the descendants of the godless line of Cain. And then in chapter 5, the line of Seth down to Noah and his three sons. Now today, just briefly upon this man called Noah, a man who by faith witnessed for God. Notice the order, please. In the lives of these three men, what lessons their lives teach us this side of Calvary? Abel worshipped God. Enoch walked with God. Noah witnessed for God. To worship God, a right one must be reconciled to be at peace with God. This reconciliation must be on the basis of the blood sacrifice, the cross of Calvary. And that work must precede one's walk with God. For can two walk together except they be agreed? Likewise, one's walk with God must precede one's witness for God. You can't change it. If you do, you'll be fruitless, having a form of godliness, but no power. Now, there are just three things, highlights in the life of Noah to consider today, and then next Lord's Day, the ark that Noah prepared to the saving of his household. First, Noah, fiction or fact, did Noah really exist? Some people say he didn't. Second, Noah's faith. Third, Noah's faithfulness or his works of faith. Now, did Noah really exist? Noah, fiction or fact? Did a man called Noah really live as it is recorded in Genesis, Second Peter, Jude, Matthew, and Luke? 
Are these records here in the Bible cunningly devised fables? Are these records profane and old wives' fables? Imaginary stories passed down from generation to generation, or are they literally true? I want to read to you, or rather quote to you, just two passages of God's Word. Words coming from the sacred lips of Christ, God's beloved Son, the sinless one, the Lamb of God. Listen carefully. Matthew 24, 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Luke 17, 26. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. Here, the Lord Jesus is speaking to His disciples. Here we have the words of truth from the highest authority in heaven or on earth, the words direct from Christ Himself. And I do not care to search for any other authority. Noah really lived and lived in the time called the days of Noah just prior to the flood of Genesis 7. I'll nail that one fact down, please. All Scripture is given by inspiration, God breathed, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And holy men of God spake as they were borne along by the Holy Spirit. And this Word of God is quick, life-giving, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Second now about Noah's faith. I'll read it to you from the 11th chapter of Hebrews the 7th verse. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. By faith. What does it mean? Simply this. Since faith cometh by hearing, and hearing... The Word of God, we learn that God spoke to Noah concerning things not seen as yet, and be it said to the eternal record and credit of Noah, Noah believed God, and that believing led him to definite action. We learn that Noah was warned, and the word warned, means to be divinely instructed. That is, God spoke to Noah directly, divinely instructed him, and he believed God. And thus we learn the source of Noah's faith, the Word of God. And I want to spend most of the time now on the third point, Noah's faithfulness or his works based upon his believing God's Word. Believing God's Word, he was moved with fear, that is, with reverence. 
that God meant exactly what he said. He had real faith. He had believing heart faith. And this kind of faith from the heart produces action. Or, putting it another way, faith, real faith, without works is dead. You say you have faith and no works, then your faith is dead. Show me your faith by your works. That's the point. To better understand Noah's faithfulness or many works of faith, we should know something of the character of the days in which Noah lived. It's not a pleasant picture. But when my Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. You, sinning friend, had better take heed and escape the coming judgment. Noah's days, from man's standpoint, and I won't have time to go into it from the Scripture, but from man's point of view, in the days of Noah, those days were marked by the building of great and beautiful cities, by much planting of trees, by much agricultural advancement, by much social activity, days of great outward material progress, and advancement, much that appealed to the eye and to the flesh and to the pride of life. But wait, the Bible reveals God's estimate of the days of Noah. And may we bear in mind this, that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. And what God saw in the days of Noah, was diametrically opposed to what man saw from the outward appearance in those days prior to the floods. And let me add this, only God knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Nothing is hidden from Him. And so may we for just a moment see what God's picture is of the days prior to Noah. You take Genesis 6, Luke 12, Matthew 24, 1st and 2nd Peter, and Jude, there are statements concerning the days of Noah which are startling, thought-provoking, especially in 1st and 2nd Peter and Jude. Something is stated there that seems to be abnormal, uncanny. I can only touch upon this. And in these epistles are frequent references to angels that have fallen. Angels are created beings, created by God for a purpose. But we are told that some kept not their first estate or appointed place, left their own habitation, were disobedient, and that they sinned in like manner as the godless men did in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. That is, they went after strange flesh, an infiltration of fallen being into the human race. So we read, and may God make this solemn. God saw, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continued. God saw 
that the earth was corrupt before him, and the earth filled with violence, and that all flesh had corrupted his ways before God. Now in the midst of all of this universal corruption and wickedness and violence, Noah witnessed for God and prepared an ark to the saving of his household. And he is called a preacher of righteousness. Now the word preacher in this case in Second Peter 2, 5 is very significant. It's not the word used for an evangelist who comes with the offer of grace with the idea that you may accept it, or with a preacher offering you eternal life as a gift by grace, not of works, lest any man should vote. The word preacher here means a herald, a proclaimer, one who makes a proclamation, a proclamation of the coming judgment. And our world would not be in the state that it is today if we had more proclaimers of the coming certain judgment. For the Lord Jesus is coming someday to execute judgment. And in that proclamation of coming judgment, there was mercy. In other words, plea to the ark. How many people heeded Noah's proclamation? Only eight. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also the coming of the Son of Man be. And it does seem from the natural, with all the great so-called advancement and progress, that the forces of ungodliness and unrighteousness are coming over the earth like a flood. Are we near the time when the Son of Man will come to execute judgment? I don't know. But I am as a herald today sending out a proclamation that unless you are clothed upon with God's righteousness in Christ Jesus, you'll stand alone when the billows of God's wrath come down upon the ungodly. But if you'll come into the greater ark of salvation, the ark Christ Jesus, and be sheltered under the shed blood. And the question is, are you in the ark of salvation, the ark of safety and security? God said to Noah so graciously in the seventh chapter of Genesis, lesson still stands today, Come thou in all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me. And unless you have the robe of his righteousness and are covered with God's righteousness, the standard of perfection that he requires, you are a lost soul outside of the ark of salvation and will perish. Will you pray with me now as we bring the old-fashioned revival hour to a close? No one stirred. Just pray with me as I plead for the souls in Radio Land. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Friends, in Radio Land, God's Word says very clearly, right to the point, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. There's no middle ground. You're either in Christ or alienated from Christ, the Ark of Salvation. And I'm pleading with you today, after making this proclamation and herald of the coming judgment, to come, thou and all thy household, into the greater ark of salvation.
Christ Jesus. Will you come? Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And wherever you may be, in the home, out in the car, if you're riding along, pull up to the curb and just stop and ask God to be merciful to you as a sinner. In your home, just kneel where you are and give your heart to Christ, won't you, today? God bless your mother. God bless your father. God bless you. While our heads are bowed here, the closing solemn moments of this, the old-fashioned revival hour, how many will quickly put their hand up and say, Brother Fuller, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to come into the ark today and be saved. I'd like to have you pray for me. Will you put your hand up? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Put God bless you down here on the front row. God bless you over here on my right. Anyone else? Let's continue as we bring the old-fashioned revival hour to a close. Continue in prayer. This is Charles E. Fuller speaking and bidding you goodbye and God's richest blessing upon you. Don't anyone leave, please.